This is the Collaboration Dynamics Podcast, helping you work together better with Judy Reese, X-ray listener, best-selling author, international virtual collaboration trainer, and master of metaphor. Hear more at xraylistening.com. Welcome to the Collaboration Dynamics podcast. With me today is Robin Manuel, a fascinating person, as I'm sure you're about to discover. Several listeners to this podcast had asked me to interview Robin specifically because they're particularly interested in one of his collaborations. He's done loads, but they're, they're interested in one. So we'll be asking him specifically about that during the course of this podcast. But before we start, hello, Robin. How are you doing? Hey there, I'm good. Yes, looking forward to the call. Would you like to say a little bit about uh, the kinds of collaborations you've been involved in? I think my introduction to team working as an adult came through running a theatre company, which I started when I was at university with a group of friends. And I did that for the next 10 years. And that was fascinating because it's a very poor, it was a very poorly resourced endeavor and uh, whether we could pay ourselves and everyone involved usually depended on the weather because we did an open air show and it taught me a lot about the reasons why people want to do things uh, the things that people love their passions what they want to learn and it taught me to kind of to to have that in mind when I was working with people why are they here what is it that's going to get out of this project and how is it going to help them make the transition to their next project mm-hmm. easier? Um, after about 10 years of working in the theatre, I started to transfer the skills I'd learnt there into running a personal development course at the uh, Business Management School at Brighton. And starting to do coaching and training first on, you know, the, the kind of personal development, communication, presentation skills, but then increasingly on, on team working. And I did some research at uh, the Center for Research and Innovation uh, at Brighton, which was around learning in complex product system firms. That's basically... Uh, anything that involves it. So think about uh, a, a new aeroplane, the channel tunnel, uh, a, a massive piece of software for the NHS. These kind of projects involve distributed teams working to solve problems, to, to do things that haven't been done before, having to coordinate all of their efforts uh, according to a time scale and deliver something. So there's a vast amount of risk in, uh, uh, and, uh, involved in that endeavor, and there's also a lot of knowledge flowing around in the system. How can you, ca- how can you capture that? Uh, there's a lot that you can capture explicitly through documents and artifacts, the things that you're creating. But then there's also a whole load of tacit knowledge, the knowledge that, uh, you know, the things that people know about the processes, about the things that work. So I became very fascinated in well, you know, how can you how can you expose that tacit knowledge? How can you enable some kind of flow within teams that 
that allows that information to be in the room. And as a result of that, I started a company called the Innovation Agency with a guy called Martin Leith, Jack Martin Leith. And we did research and we facilitated events around innovation for um, kind of large multinationals. Gosh, that sounds so exciting. I, I want to ask you about a million questions about all of that. <laughs> <laughs> it does um, sound great. It's great remembering it as well. <laughs> Thank yeah. you for that opportunity. And actually, the whole piece about inno innovation and innovation in distributed teams is absolutely where, where my attention is at the moment because there's so much um, going on in that world where basically every organization now has to regard itself as an innovator every organization has distributed teams whereas in the past lots of organizations didn't yeah. um, so many more people are coming up against that same set of problems um, and an awful lot of them don't have access to your research or, or, or any real understanding of what the important factors are and it's interesting the way that um, these things kind of percolate out I mean I'm talking about stuff that I was doing back in the, you know, late 90s and early 2000s, I'm sure, as, you know, it, through your academic work as well, you'll have been aware of these ideas. Uh, and, and now, uh, you know, they're, they're everywhere, there, mm. as you say. Yes, I was just, before we came on the call, I was just uh, doing some reading about uh, uh, some stuff of Fred Kaufman's about the relationship between advocacy and... Uh, inquiry asking questions and propo proposing your point of view um, okay which, which yeah. i suspect relates to our two specialties mine mine in terms of asking questions and yours more recently has been in storytelling indeed yes well that's kind of an accident <laughs> uh it's funny i i I did my first NLP training back in um, oh 1996 when Bandler first started training with McKenna in mm -hmm. the UK and I saw Bandler doing uh, his stuff on stage and I loved it you know uh, coming from a theatre background it was like stand-up comedy mm -hmm. uh, and great to see you know to see that he, people were drifting off into trance and having new experiences through the process of, of listening to the stories mm. he was telling. So, um, as is my want, I kind of got a bit obsessed with that and, and just consumed everything that I could find, uh, all of Bandler's work, uh, lots of stuff from Milton Erickson. Um, and, and also, if you look at the literature, there's people like Gurdjieff, uh, and Robert Anton Wilson, mm -hmm. who use similar storytelling techniques uh, deliberately to create mind change in their readers. Mm. Uh, and the further you look out, you realize that all of the hypnotic patterns that are being used by um, uh, Erickson and Bandler are, are just, they're, they're present everywhere in the literature, you know, um, Lawrence Stern, I think it was, uh, The Adventures of Tristram Shandy. Mm -hmm. You know, he wrote a, a story that just went on and on and what kept going off on these different tangents and breaking through the, the frame of what a book, what a story was meant to be mm. and, and what it was supposed to do. So, yeah, I got, I got 
kind of good at that. And I met uh, Igor at a John Grinder training. Our uh, eyes met across the room, and uh, I think we recognised a kindred spirit. We ended up running some trainings, running some NLP trainings together, and uh, specifically some storytelling trainings. Mm-hmm. Um, we did some corporate work together as well, which was uh, fascinating. Uh, again, just exploring the collaboration in functional teams, management teams. You know, how mm-hmm. do you get the heads of uh, of department talking together and actually being on the same page? Mm-hmm. Um, uh, and then we w- went our separate ways. And then back in, I can't remember, 2008, something like that, uh, Igor asked me to do an interview for his uh, his uh, hypnosis masterclass on storytelling. Mm-hmm. Uh, I did that for him. And uh, we followed it up uh, 2012 with a workshop in Amsterdam. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the clip that you have online, uh, that we have online, is taken from that training. Mm-hmm. Now, just for people who don't know, and I don't know how to pronounce Igor's surname, Lederhofsky? That's the one I'm going for. <laughs> and uh, he's, he's a very big noise in the world of hypnosis, as I understand it. Hypnosis not being my specialist subject, but uh, my, my sense is that he, he seems to be a very, very big name indeed. He is. He's uh, done a lot of great work. And... Um... <sighs> What is it that he does? What he's really good at is, uh, and I think one of the things that we had in, in common is looking for patterns, see, trying to see the pattern in something. I remember doing a corporate training with him uh, in the Far East. That, uh, And in the morning, I demonstrated a couple of different exercises. I don't think he'd ever seen them kind of done before. And I saw him just getting fired up, really fired up about something. And he was putting these two things together. And after lunch, he ran a training which kind of combined them in a really ingenious, ingenious new, new way. Um, and I think what he's done is he's been very focused uh, going, finding people, finding the best people in the field to train with, look at what they do, and then reframing uh, what he's found in a kind of step-by-step process that, that works uh, very well for other people, that helps mm-hmm. people learn the same things. So while we have very different approaches and, and uh, we disagree about a lot of things as well, uh, I'm always fascinated uh, when I come across his, his new ideas. Uh, they always make me think uh, about things in a new way. And uh, and I also I learn something about myself whenever we work together. Mm, really interesting that you should pick out that pattern because uh, one of the things that I know about Igor is that as a result of uh, a series of conversations that he and I had uh, a, a year or so ago, his recent product Beyond Self Hypnosis has picked up some really useful ideas from clean language and, and the metaphor stuff that I do and applied them and presented them in a, in a new and better and probably used, more user-friendly way, which um, people are getting quite excited about, and, and quite rightly, I think. Mm. So uh, it, it's lovely to, lovely to see that kind of thing happening when people pick up things and, and, well, when someone who's really good at this stuff 
picks up ideas and presents them afresh to a whole fresh audience and, and gets a new result from it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's, uh, I've, I've uh, come across the Beyond Hypnosis uh, one. It's very, it's very clever. And, um, and what he's essentially doing is, uh, is the magical pathway mm-hmm. that's, descri- that's been described in esoteric uh, literature uh, for thousands of years. Mm. Built, getting control over the mind, building a body of light, creating a safe space around you that you control, and then learning how to explore that that uh, imaginary world. Mm. Oh, and and you can relate that to much more, um, I suppose, more academic work like uh, Daniel Siegel's book Mindsight, which again all about. Uh, getting control of the the mind in a different way but uh, whereas Igor's stuff is um, very very user-friendly and let have a go at it kind of feeling then you you get an academic book which is a lot drier and more rigid in its approach yeah Mm. anyway this is all beside the point what I really want to ask you about is when you are collaborating at your best and as my listeners have, have said, that c- collaboration with Igor is one of the best um, live improvised collaborations they've ever seen. When you are collaborating at your best, that's like what? It's like I'm the host of a party at my house. Uh, and... We've got lots of different rooms and uh, there's plenty of food and drink. I'm kind of wandering around the house, making sure that all the different kind of rooms have got what they need. People are are sitting, chatting together. Some people are drawing or playing. Maybe somebody's making up music in the other room. Uh, Maybe there's a little argument developing on the on the stairs in the line for the toilet. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> it's a, it's a, it's an alcohol-free afternoon party, mm-hmm. um, and yeah. And when it's an af- alcohol-free afternoon party like that, and you're the host, what kind of host is that host? Uh, that host is very attentive to the the needs of uh, his guests. He's keeping the uh, the whole environment kind of safe and you know tidy along the way. He's uh, he's making sure that uh, information gets from room to room. Maybe there's something happening at the end of you know. Maybe we've got a, 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 the the cakes coming out. You know, <laughs> we're going to sing a song and uh, do a show. And uh, so, yeah, I'm just kind of like holding flow and uh, seeing where people are, waiting for them to be ready, encouraging them along and getting everything together. Mm. So getting information from room to room, like the cakes coming out Mm. and holding flow. Is holding flow the same or different to getting information from room to room? Well, now I'm seeing something else. I'm seeing um, 
I'm seeing that uh, all the the people in the space have like light around them, uh, kind of street. There's there's a kind of uh, you know a bubble, a glow of of light around them, and it uh, it leaves their head. It kind of carries up into the sky and and twines and mixes around with all of the other. There's like a you know a kind of weave of light appearing in the uh, above the group as all of these different kind of strands are coming together mm, so a weave of light is there anything else about the light in that weave of light well there are many different colors uh and they're they're working together to make uh, patterns mm. they're kind of constrained in their own spaces but uh, but moving freely uh Constrained but each other's each mm. other. Constrained but moving freely. Sorry. Yes, they're constrained within certain dimensions, but moving freely within that. Mm-hmm. Um, and the weave, the, the the weave creates a stronger, uh, a stronger ribbon. Mm. And is there anything else about that weave? Well, it's kind of fun to watch it, uh, <laughs> to watch it come mm. together. Mm. And there's the, the, the light comes from the people. There's a glow of light around them. Yeah. And then it goes up into the weave. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And whereabouts are you in relation to all of that? Well, I started earlier before anyone arrived, mm-hmm. <laughs> and I brought, and I stood in the room with my light, and I kind of breathed in and and felt it grow and expand until it filled the whole space, mm. and then as everyone else. As people came into the space, I suppose it kind of it kind of wrapped around them and drew them in and gave them space and helped bring it all together. Mm. Kind of formed a, a scaffold or a framework around which the process could begin. Mm. And what kind of light is your light? Does it have a colour? It's lilac. Mm-hmm. And it's lilac. And when you breathed in, is there anything else about that? Well, the lilac is a very... uh, it's been very benevolent and uh, holding. It's reassuring. Mm-hmm. It reassures me, and uh, I feel safe and and without need. Mm-hmm. 
So you feel safe and without need, and it's reassuring and holding like that. And benevolent. Yes. And is there anything else about that lilac light? Well, it's flowing down too. It's flowing from the thread that's connecting me to the sky. Mm -hmm. Ah, so it's flowing down from the thread that's connecting you to the sky. Yeah. Mm. Is there anything else about that? Well, that thread's always there. Mm -hmm. And uh, when I know that I'm holding a space, when I'm creating a collaboration. Mm -hmm. Sorry, I was just pausing for that <laughs> ambulance to go past. <laughs> um, then it's like I deliberately draw it down and fill myself with it and then allow that to expand to fill the space. Ah, so that is that what happens at the beginning before anyone arrives? Yeah. Ah, so you, at that point you breathe in and you draw it down from the thread that connects you to the sky? Yeah. Mm. And then it fills the whole space with that yeah. benevolent holding, reassuring, and you feel safe and without need, and all of that. And then, as other people arrive, it forms a scaffold for the weave of light to develop. You've exposed my innermost magical secrets now, Judy. <laughs> well, I mean, the, the crucial question then is how do you know that that thread links you to the sky? Um... <laughs> I'm I'm not sure I can uh, answer that question without uh, exploring it further, and that would involve me going into trance states that we might not have time for right now. <laughs> <laughs> Is that okay? That's fine. That's fine. If you, um, yeah, there there are places it's okay to go, and places it's not okay to go in, in a short podcast. Um, it's funny though. I was um, I was thinking earlier. Uh, because, I mean, I'm sure you've experienced this, when, uh, because clean language and, and exploring my own metaphorical world is something that I've been doing uh, ever since I can remember. Um, it's sometimes hard to take a fresh approach and to actually be in the moment and not, uh, you, know, recite, you know, basically reciting a, something I've created already. Mm. Um, and that was uh, that was lovely because I, I did I was actually I did feel very much in the moment and um, yes. Hmm, that's interesting. So what good work, Judy. What difference <laughs> does it make being in the moment with this as opposed to to doing something you prepared earlier? For your listeners, and, um, you know, because this is about clean language, I feel that being able to be in, in the moment is more 
it's kind of more honest and gives them a better experience of of what it's like to experience clean language. Mm-hmm. Great, thank you. So um, now I've exposed your innermost secrets, like that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Is there anything else that you'd like to add about how this whole process of collaboration works for you? Well, I suppose to to, to jump to the rehearsed metaphor. Um, I do see a series of doors that I have to go through mm-hmm. before I'm able to feel comfortable collaborating and to be in that safe space. Mm-hmm. And the, for, the first door is around, and there are, there are, there are, it's something about trust and rapport. Mm-hmm. Um, the first one is about personal trust. Mm-hmm. I have to trust myself. I have to trust my unconscious mind. I have to feel like my needs are met, that I can meet my needs in the situation that I'm going to be in. Um, and when, I, when, I'm, when I'm in that place of safety uh, and confidence, then I feel like I can walk into the second, past the second door. And the second door is very much about the specific relationship with the other people that you're collaborating with mm-hmm. and the dynamic of that. And my metaphor for that, I suppose, is... Uh, I was with uh, my daughter the other day in the sandpit and uh, I think I remember uh, talking to this guy who was he was worked for he was about 20 he worked for one of the political parties I won't say which one uh, he came down to Brighton he was in he I I did not like him <laughs> um, he, he was opinionated uh, uh, but it wasn't the fact that he had opinions that differed from mine that really got on my wick. It was like we couldn't have a conversation because we couldn't we couldn't build anything together that we could actually see or criticise. It was like we were in that sandpit, and and he was building he was building his castle, and every time I tried to build my little castle, he would go no, not that, and knock it down. <laughs> the first foundations, no, not that. Bah, bah. <laughs> Uh, and I remember a meet when I was about uh, 18, meeting a guy called Tony Merza. He's a great guy. He's a, a cinematographer, a director of photography in Canada, in Vancouver. Uh, and he, he, he's a, a great storyteller. And um, he, he was somebody who really, uh, talking with him taught me a different way of being in that sandpit, where he would you know I, he would give me space to build my little bit of my little bit of castle and he would look at it and you go oh right i see and then he would build a bit of his castle and go mm-hmm. well what about this uh and i could go oh well i see okay well what about this and so and together we'd we'd kind of have the space to to actually see what we were building before we started arguing about you know what to do next mm-hmm. and Yeah, and and so I imagine when I'm collaborating with with someone, I imagine it's like kind of having an uh, you know an invisible architectural model floating in the space between us, and our conversation, our dialogue has to involve uh, that process of showing what's inside our own minds first, mm-hmm. and being really clear about that, so that we can begin to actually. Uh, you know, further explore and combine and put together those things. A lot of the time in collaborations, you can't even get past that 
that you know basic building block and for me you know that's so that's one of the doorways i need to know that that process is going to be understood in in the the personal dynamic does that make mm. sense it does absolutely so the, the first doorway is to trust yourself the second doorway is about the the specific relationship the dynamic of that yeah is there are there any and, other doorways yeah the third doorway is around it's around the context of the collaboration mm -hmm. it's and it, it's about it's about trust in the the intention and the outcome of the process um I suppose the important element for me here is that the power, the control has to be in the room. Mm -hmm. uh, or, and if there are stakeholders who, can, who affect the result, who are going to determine what happens, who aren't in the room, then that has to be really clear. Mm -hmm. um, this probably makes more sense in a, with a specific example of, for example, you know, a head office has sent down the memo, oh, you've got to redesign this process and you know, a team have been put together to do that, but actually, you know, the budget holder's not in the team and, you know, one of the directors is going to want to change it all anyway. Do you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So, so for me, there has to be a sense that, 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 that me for myself and us as a team together can make the decisions that need to be made in the best interests of our intention and our outcome. Mm -hmm. And when all that happens, then you've got the recipe for a, a, an excellent collaboration. Yeah, yeah, and I and I, I've got I have a specific image in mind of um, the kind of contrast when I first started doing corporate work. I remember going to a meeting. It was uh, it was a proposal by a telecommunications company to build a call center for a bank, and there were about. 25 people around a long table you know they'd been flown in from all around the world they we sat around the table uh the two you know top the manager the team manager and his deputy gave a bit of a chat and they had a coffee break and then there were a couple of questions and that was it and the team leader came up to me at the end of it and kind of went oh you know that went really well um I, I can remember, oh yeah, you know, some people were definitely talking together at a coffee break. I was like absolutely astounded because the day before I'd been at a, uh, a meeting for the first, um, uh, the first meeting for a new uh, production of an open air show mm -hmm. that my company were doing. And I was, I was kind of, I was producing it, but I was very much kind of hands on and letting it go and seeing what had happened. And uh, the director had turned up with a one page sheet of uh, paper which was the agenda for the meeting uh, and started off uh, kind of reading it. And within five minutes, the whole group had kind of like broken up into teams. Somebody was making coffee. Uh, food was, had appeared. Um, <laughs> some people were trying to get attention from other people, but there were other groups designing the costumes and there was this whole messy thing. But work was getting done and information was flowing freely and um yeah i kind of i like to to hold those two images in in mind hmm. 
Oh, this, this this conversation could go on and on and on, but I'm going to say we're, we're out of time. We can't keep going, can't keep going, but we <laughs> might have to come back and do another one another day. Well, uh, I'd love to. It's been uh, fascinating, actually, to to talk about the collaboration stuff because um, at the moment I've got my head in the storytelling mode. Uh, I'm doing um, a workshop in Amsterdam at the end of May uh, in storytelling and hypnosis, which... Uh, if any of your listeners are interested in that, they can find out more at hypnoticstorytelling.com slash Amsterdam 2015. Mm. Um, but yeah, talking about collaboration, as you can hear, it's, I'm really enthusiastic about it. So let's come back to this theme another day. But uh, people, if people want to go to that training in Amsterdam, they need to move pretty quickly. So uh, Indeed, yes. It's the end of uh, May. Yeah. End of May. Lovely. So thank you very much indeed, and uh, presumably if people want to contact you more generally, hypnoticstorytelling.com has got your, your details on it. Uh, yeah, send me an email, robinmanuel at gmail.com. Brilliant. Thank you very much indeed. It's been brilliant. All right, folks. Thank you very much, Judy.